Welcome back, everyone, to our two cast number 85. Last week, we uh, spoke to Blythe in Zimbabwe, which is very interesting. Blythe from Zimbabwe, studied at SRUC in Scotland and has went back and is now an agronomist with a focus on flowers, but also working with blueberries. Um, some the size of a golf ball, which I did not know was possible, which is great fun. And next week, uh, we'll be speaking to the female hoof trimmer, Sophie Mitchell. I forgot her surname. So- Sophie Mitchell-Smith. Um, we've all heard of hoof trimming and on the YouTube scene, certainly, with uh, with Stranraer's own Graham Parker sort of leading the way there. Um, Sophie also has a big following there, a dad and her business. Um, so yeah, another another good one coming up there. But today um, we're talking about a, a, a group of people, a company that has been around the barony. I've been hearing the name, been hearing what it is, and I'm quite looking forward to sort of knowing what it is uh, and what's involved. And that is the digital dairy chain. Today, we have three people on the call and maybe one coming later, but those that are definitely here are Stuart Martin, Pauline Murray and Dr. Rachel. Is it Wakefield? Is that right, Rachel? Have I got that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. Um, and potentially Anne Hobson and Mark Robertson coming later. Uh, what I like to do in this is the R2Cast people in food and farm, and I sort of like to hear the people's stories first, hear where people have came from before we actually get into the business at, uh, at the sort of heart of the topic. So, Stuart, we'll start with yourself. Stuart, could you tell us a bit about yourself, maybe, maybe before being involved in the digital dairy chain and how you sort of came to get involved? Just before we get started with another episode of the R2Cast, I would like to thank our primary sponsors, A-Plan Rural. A-Plan Rural are heavily involved on the social media scene in the ag space with 120,000 followers on Instagram. They use this following to host social media takeovers with farmers throughout the country to showcase their stories. They also post to their rural community blog with further stories about these people in the industry. On top of this, they like to support initiatives that are championing the British agricultural industry, such as myself. So thank you to A-Plan Rural for that. Yeah, yeah, no problem, Wallace. And thanks for giving us the opportunity to come and come and speak to you and 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 all the people that will listen to this. Um, my my background principally is um, sales and marketing. That's what I did my my degree in all these years ago, and I then um, worked um, for a company in Denmark at the time, a design company out there. Then came back to the UK and worked for a, a packaging company, and became a packaging technologist. And we were principally dealing with printing. I think. The interesting thing and a slight crossover to what I'm doing now is I got involved in manufacturing, dealing with a lot of companies from um, companies doing cosmetics to food and drink to um, whiskey, people that were importing, exporting. And it was fascinating. What I saw was loads of factories doing lots of different things. And we were advising them how to, to best package their products. And then about 20 years ago, it was my first foray into agriculture. I applied for the job to be the the marketing director of Scottish Organic Milk Producers. And at the time, that was a co-op of, I think it was about 25 organic dairy farmers who at the time had, I think, just converted to organic. And and the majority, the vast majority of their milk was entering the non-organic chain because they had no consumers um, for it. So the the farmers, you know, they they were a bit skeptical of me and I was a bit skeptical of them. I didn't know farming and they didn't know marketing. But we agreed that I would stick to the business side of it and they would stick to feeding the cows and milking them and then we'd meet in between. And and the, the, the great news, I mean, after about 10 years, we took sales of about half a million litres a year, um, up to 25 million. In fact, at the end, we we ran out of of, um, of milk. We, had, we, we didn't have enough and we had to get more producers coming on board. And that was because we basically, again, not too dissimilar to the project we're going to talk about later, was we, we talked to the supply chain, we talked to the farmers, we understood how they worked, we speak to people like you know, SRUC, SEC, um, HDB, bodies like that, Soil Association were handling them, we spoke to all the buyers of the products, and we did a lot of consumer research as well, and, and talked to really the whole supply chain from cow to consumer. Um, after that, I... Um, about eight years ago, I then took up the role to set up the Scottish Dairy Hub in Scotland, which was an initiative um, funded by, at the time, um, AHDB and Scottish Government. And it was basically to have a, a one-stop shop um, signposting service for dairy farmers in Scotland. The theory at the time was that the average dairy farmer was battling a very low milk price, um, very busy guys, uh, again, such as the, the nature of staff and recruitment, there were maybe one man bands. 
and yet they were being bombarded with a lot of information on a daily basis and sometimes they didn't have time to disseminate information or use that information so the whole point about the hub it, it was a call center and you could contact the hub at any time um, 24 hours a day seven days a week through various mediums ask any questions covering recruitment ai um staff um, staff training we, we got things about um, courses, absolutely any topic on dairy, and we would go and find the advice free of charge for them. Um, and that worked, that worked very well. Um, the project was only meant to run for three years, um, but it is still to this day continuing after, after eight years. Halfway through that, about four years into that, um, I was offered the position to be dairy policy manager at NFUS. So what we agreed to do was take the hub from ownership from HDB to NFUS. So for the last four years and up until now, the hub has been funded by Scottish Government and NFUS. And for the last four years, and I was concentrating a lot of my work on, um, on dairy policy work on, on a daily basis, dealing everything, you know, from, from milk contracts to dealing with processors to looking at legislation. The Ag Bill that, that's coming through was, was taking up a lot of time. And, you know, initiatives, um, you know, I sat on the Red Tractor Technical Advisory Committee as well, input into that. So, um, so yeah, so I, th I think in, in summary, um, 20 years in farming, dairy farming, you know, 99.9% .9 of dairy farming and, and, um, and built up quite a good knowledge and a, and a good range of Scottish dairy farming from there. Excellent. So it's certainly pretty well versed for what you're doing, I would say. You sort of covered every side for, uh, for quite a period of time. Um, Rachel, could you just give us sort of the exact same on your background, where, where you sort of came from and, and how you came to, to be where you are? I, I can, yes. Yeah. So um, I grew up in Cumbria, in uh, rural Cumbria, which is not difficult to grow up in rural Cumbria, um, and uh, surrounded by farms. And I always had an interest in environmental science. And uh, this was like 30, 30, 40 years ago now. And uh, and then it was all about acid rain and uh, the kind of pesticides um impact in the you know in the environment and I was quite interested in that uh, so I went off to do a, a degree and I ended up moving up to Aberdeen uh, to do a PhD in soil science uh, that was in the plant soil science in Aberdeen in, the, in, in, in that in that time and I learned an awful lot about land use uh, soil soil function soil health all sorts of things um you know that through that program uh, and then I ended up uh, doing a postdoc and that was still in Aberdeen, and that was all around uh, understanding uh, biodeterioration mechanisms of natural materials and built environment. But the interesting thing about that was um, I ended up doing some a project with uh, a bunch of optoelectronics um, uh, scientists who were really into lasers. And, uh, and at that time, the market uh, was just emerging the blue LEDs. You probably are right. all too young to remember that, but the blue LED was launched on the market. And for us as scientists at that price, it meant that we could start bringing things out of the lab into the field because that blue LED uh, is, um, which is the exact right wavelength for photosynthesis and other oh. photosynthetic pigments. So we built, and also at that time, uh, it was a big revolution in manufacturing. So a lot of the, the you know, the electronics components were being miniaturized so that we have our little modules now that we can we can buy. But in, in that time, it was a, it was revolutionary. So it meant that you began to see a lot of devices being built that were based on lab instrumentation, but you could take out into the field. And that's what we started doing. We were looking at patina and I was using these uh, the devices to map the growth of things on surfaces. And but again, um, I began to learn a lot about lasers, optoelectronics and uh, um, basically spectroscopy. And so after a bit of that, uh, a group of us uh, started up a company and because we were in Aberdeen, uh, we uh, we were focused really on oil and gas and subsea and that was taking all of these things that we'd learned and building devices that we could do sensing offshore and underwater. Uh, at much much lower cost because that that's the that was the basic lever uh, and then after a bit of that uh, I went back into the university um, sector to help academics spin out companies and help to transfer the emerging tech coming out of 
universities into the marketplace, which is the hardest thing in the world. Um, you know, commercializing science tech is really hard and commercializing stuff that's coming out of academia is equally hard as well. So, so that was a bit of that. And then the, 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 um, so that was all around engineering. So again, I acquired secondhand knowledge about a whole wealth of science areas and a good feel for what was new and emerging. And then uh, again, 10 years ago, um, the Scottish Funding Council and ScotGov wanted to um, invest in the innovation centres that were a bridge between academia and industry. And mm -hmm. uh, it asked uh, the economic development agencies like uh, Scottish Enterprise to uh, to work with academia to to develop engagement models for certain sectors. So um, there are six innovation centers. Now there were seven 10 years ago, and one the, the one was oil and gas. But um, so these were, and then there were, all of the engagement models were slightly different. So we've got industrial biotech and um, data lab and um, aquaculture. And we have uh, and census, which is where I'm employed now. Um, and census uh, used to stand for the Centre for Sensors and Imaging Systems as seeing as an economic strength within Scotland. And now we're just known as Senses, but we focus on IoT, sensing and imaging tech. So, um, but now the last two years, my soil science background that kind of sank below the waves is now coming back, back up again for all, all around soil health and sequestration and, uh, you know, land management. So I'm really, um, I'm loving my job at the moment. It's really varied and very interesting. Well, do you know, the, the first two things that jump out to me there, Rachel, is first off, I had you early to mid 30s <laughs> oh no i'm really down. old oh i've been around the block a few times <laughs> i just kind of absorb things you know <laughs> well here uh, take that as a compliment please uh, but uh also that was just you know how like the first time you ever find a dictionary when you're younger and you look at all these words that, that don't mean anything that was just an audio version of that for me i mean spectrometry oh. and all these things that is that looking at like pigment spectrum is that what you mean yeah or, it can right, okay. yeah it's, it's shining a light at something and then the, the the information you get back will tell you a bit about what it's made up of see that's what i love this podcast yeah. like i mean i bring these people on and i don't have a clue what you've just told me um but no that that makes sense then if, if that's what you mean um the i'll come back to that and, and i do have a few questions about what different things meant there because you did lose me quite a bit but see the one thing that i was going to mention was um in my master's year i was at glasgow uni doing food security and strathclyde contacted me about doing a, a dissertation on um, like a co-dissertation from Uni of Glasgow and Strathclyde on precision agriculture with a focus on livestock precision agriculture using IoT to monitor rumen monitoring boluses. And uh, I was just going to ask you if you knew of a guy whose name, oh, that's terrible. I'm going to have to come back to this. I think it's Isaac. It's not Isaac. Um, no, I'm going to have to come back because he'd worked with census. Uh, I'll try and remember as we go on. I'll probably remember the second we start recording. Oh, no. You're asking um, me now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Pauline, could you give us the same sort of background for yourself, please? That'd be excellent. Sure, sure no worries. So um, I'm from Glasgow um, and I'm based at Strathclyde University, which is obviously one of the three academic partners within a digital dairy chain. Um, going back, my, um, I've been working in project management for around 20, 20 odd, between 25 years, maybe now, right. which is quite scary. <laughs> we need kind of... Uh, Looking back, um, I've always gonna my undergraduate actually degree was in archaeology down in Manchester, um, which is completely nothing to do with any of this and completely nothing to do with project management either. Um, but what I kind of discovered when I was at uni was um, I kind of moved in towards the sort of uh, exhibitions and stuff at museums and managing that sort of a thing, and that's how I kind of came into project management. So my sort of a skill set lies within that particularly within because i've worked within the higher education sector for most of that time um and that's my sort of a forte on and all this i don't have you know i've never this is my first my first food and drink a uh, related project i've worked in right. uh, different research projects health projects advanced manufacturing um blood bone viruses you know a whole host of different projects but that's what i like about what i do because i get to use the skills that i have in project management to kind of help you know whatever project it is that i'm working on 
well, some, no, sorry, on you go. No, I was just going to say, like, I think sometimes we hear, you know, people come into these things and, and they don't have the exact technical knowledge, but the amount yeah. of transferable skills is it's mental. Sorry. No, yeah. no, that, that that's exactly it. And it's amazing <laughs> how much much information you pick up. So sometimes I kind of think of my role as a bit, a bit boring in a sense. I mean, it's not boring to me because I'm, you know, a bit of a geek when it comes to project management and being organised and planned and stuff like that and risk registers and all that. Um, that that's kind of my forte but um, I think it's needed it's it's good you know obviously my as I say I've been working in the the university higher education sector but it's mainly between that that link between as, as Rachel said you know academia and industry um, and industry work at generally a much faster pace than what the universities do and it's kind of trying to manage those expectations manage the processes and stuff around you know a lot of the projects and stuff that we do um, and that's that's what I feel that my sort of expertise lies. Um, so yeah, I, it's a total baptism of fire when it comes to um, this sort of a type of project. Um, so I was down at the Barony for the first time the other day last week. Um, so that was really nice to see. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's really good just kind of getting on board with everything. It's a it's a nice place, you know. Whether yeah. that's a yeah, I mean. I did my, my undergraduate through SRUC, but I was in Ayr, and uh, Ayr was a lovely campus, but it was based bang smack in the middle of a town, and where Barony sort of sells itself, especially from the academic perspective, is you've got that farm there to teach practicals as well, and, and it yeah. plays very much well nicely into this. Um, Stuart, one thing I wanted to ask yourself was uh, sort of jumping back to what you'd said earlier. You started working uh, in... Um, the organic milk producers, or I've, I've probably said the wrong name there, but you know, working mm -hmm. with, with organic milk producers, they must have been few and far between there. And you said sort of that the difference in, in, in milk production, the, the levels there, uh, sort of in your time. But what sort of what was the difference? Can you remember in producers from when you started with them until when you finished? Because that would have been, I assume people started to see it and yeah, see we had producer numbers. <clears throat> I think at the time. When I started, it was maybe about 16, 17, um, and it ended when I, well, it didn't end, it's still running, but when I left it, it had gone up to about 25. Now, at the time, maybe 1,200 dairy farmers in Scotland, so it, it was very, very small percentage, and in mm -hmm. fact, at the time, we always, in our heads, and, and we, we worked we worked very close collaborators with First Milk and Omsco at the time, who's the, the, the larger UK co-op for dairy farmers for organic, and roughly the organic market, um, and I think it probably still is, is roughly 5% of, of the, yeah. the whole dairy in, in, in the UK. But um, but it, it grew, it, 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 you know, it, it, it was growing and, and, and things like the recession affect it and economic conditions affect it and supply and demand is, 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 is very, it's constrained by that because of the, 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 the supply that, that it has. But, um, but yeah, so, it was. It's still very small to this day in in, in, in Scotland. But um, but at the time, the, the farmers got involved in it for a number of reasons. I think at the time, they're they're set up on their farms. Um, the size thing, problems about succession. You know, they, they couldn't put on two, three, four, five, six, seven hundred cows. You know, our, our average our average output for the year I remember was I think eight hundred thousand liters a year. Um, that's what the average farm is doing. Um, and a lot of them were doing it again for purely organic reasons. They believed in the ethos, and some were doing it for financial, and some were doing it because it suited their system. And and a lot of them were based down in Dumfries and Galloway, the area we're operating in just now. And that was because the organic system suits, um, you know, grazing systems, and that's that's what Dumfries and Galloway does very well. I mean, Dumfries and Galloway in Ayrshire leans itself to high, high, high rain counts, high rain, yeah, high rain. Just perfect for grass, like it's ideal. Um, mm -hmm. And you also mentioned you worked at, well, got involved with the Scottish Dairy Hub eight years ago, or, or mm. there with eight years ago. That was when the price was bad, bad. You know, that was when it was in a bad place. You know. Yeah, and 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 again, that that was, you know, clearly not good for anybody, but quite good for me because what what I do in and one of the strengths I'd say about Stuart Martin, this sounds like a job interview, is is I I'm, qu I'm quite tenacious. You know, if somebody gives me a problem, I will own it and run with it. And I, I genuinely had farmers that I remember one call from a farmer almost in tears and he was getting single digit on his milk price. And yeah. what we did, we went to visit him, understood his issues. And we, we, we looked around and he got a new milk buyer and, um, and, and we changed, you know, we changed um, 
how he farmed and, 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 and without sounding too grand, but changed his life. So yeah, what, what was, again, fortuitous for the project, but maybe not for the industry was because it was in a bad place, I was getting a lot of incoming calls because people wanted to speak to people. You know, it was, it was very much that. It was, it was a one-to-one service and we would listen, we would take the inquiry, go and speak to the farmer and see the, see the problem through, yeah. No, I was aware of people in single myself. It was a, mm. a bad time. That was sort of when I just started uni and you were sort of looking into price quite often and that. And yeah, it was not not a place we want to see yourself again. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, it, it, I mean, you know, we talk about sustainability and sometimes people misinterpret what that means, but, you know, d- dairy farmers need profit because dairy farmers need profit so they can invest, so they mm. can grow, and so they can do all the things that they're meant to do and all the things that, other people that are asking them to do you know i think we often think of sustainability in an environmental perspective but we don't have the ability to be environmentally sustainable if we're not financially sustainable because we're not there yeah, yeah. no yeah. it was it was in- i would just like to quickly interrupt the show for a minute to give you some extra information on our primary sponsors a plan rural a plan offer bespoke cover for farms and estates the uk over and we'll give you tailored insurance for anything on the farm from your old workhorse tractor that's been around 20 years or a fancy new and exciting diversification interesting is one of the certain mantras that i heard was at nfus we talked about you know a good you know sustainable farm as in net zero and and somebody had this great line that if i if there's a if you're a good sustainable farm then you'll be a good farmer Yes, agreed. And I, I, I'm not going to. I've spoke a few times in the podcast about carbon and how I feel it's not correctly calculated and whatnot. But um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, definitely. I'll 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 move. Um, mm. Rachel, Rachel, I said I was going to come back, uh, and I have remembered the name first off. Ivan Andanovich. Oh um, yes, satellite. Um, yeah, that's right. Sorry, I'll just jump in there. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, he, he was he was some guy. He actually he first came to. I'm from Isle of Arran and uh, uh, we have no broadband over there, <laughs> but it was really bad, like lower than one megabit a second. And uh, this guy basically, not Ivan, but someone had sort of come up with this idea of creating broadband and, and doing it through line of sight. And Ivan was was heavily involved in this and through a guy on Arran was how I got, got in touch with Ivan. But he was very interested uh, sort of in that IoT line of things, but I don't know, don't know what he's doing now. But um, Rachel, could you... <laughs> I was really interested in all the things you were saying, but didn't really know what you were saying. Uh, could you sort of give us a bit more in depth the sort of laser side and, and how how you found a way into? I'm trying to remember. It was opto. No, I'm not even going to try. Opto, to say. opto electronics. There we are. <laughs> I, I knew what I was yeah, talking. Well, I just wanted you to say it. You know. Uh, well, that <laughs> that is an interesting topic. So it sounds it sounds really bizarre now, but um, believe it or not, in those days. There was a there was a whole thing about cleaning buildings because of the the black, you know, and especially in Edinburgh. So um, I was part of a, a team that was commissioned to work with Historic Scotland, as it was then, to look at, you know, what kind of cleaning methods you could use in in Edinburgh and not damage the right. stone. And and some of those emerging techniques, we were moving away from wet, you know, chemicals to lasers and uh, there was a whole interest in lasers that again you could now bring out of the lab into the field and 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 clean something with them and um, at the time there was a massive study being done at um um oh I've just forgotten the name what's that huge church in France Notre Dame uh. I was going to okay. say hunchback, but luckily my brain came with Notre Dame first. So they had at that point, I mean, Notre Dame was was the whole facade was being, and they had this laser up on the scaffold, and and they were they were cleaning with it. So so um, that that was one of the the programs. So I was involved in a a team that had lasers, and uh, we were looking to see, well, you know, how do you use these for stone? What's the real damage? You know, how do you so uh, and and that was how I got involved with the opto electronics team because they were building systems using lasers for all sorts of industry processes like cutting through things and and the spectroscopy. So that was that was how and and I was involved in this 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 stone cleaning program and that's how it all started and uh, it really opened my eyes to oh what else could we do you know for these <laughs> things. So yeah, it was really interesting. As someone who did yeah. their 
degree in agriculture and then food security and started working at Enterprise Rent-A-Car, I'm going to ask you a question that I really shouldn't be able to, should be able to answer. How did you go from a PhD in soil science uh, to that? What was what right. was the end? what was the end? It's just lap. So. <laughs> You know, it's just it's just being at the bench. So once you're a you know the soil science or a microbiologist, you get to learn how to use all sorts of laboratory instruments to analyze stuff. So the project that I did for my first after I finished my PhD in soils was just that it was it was analyzing uh, stuff, um, understanding why um, organisms were growing on surfaces we're looking at biocides you see so it was it was really linking again it was it was linking the microorganisms from you know from soils and natural mm. organisms in the environment and understanding why they grew on certain surfaces and then what kind of biocides might you use that wouldn't damage the stone but would still be effective and and that's and that brought in the lasers as well so so it was all it's all kind of mixed up it was it was yeah. kind of eight years you know so it was all all to do with the skills you learn as as you you know you're going through these programs really so um it's yeah. always quite fun to to see how folk can go from just this thing over <laughs> here to this thing over there it's quite it's quite interesting um pauline what what what's a sort of i don't think i fully grasped your job it seems very intricate what's a sort of day in the life of you like a day in life at the, at the moment. So I started on the in the digital dairy chain in November. Um, so I'm fairly new to post, although um, <coughs> you know I have worked for Strathclyde before um, in the advanced uh, manufacturing sort of a research area. Um, but the the first couple of months before Christmas was really just trying to get an understanding of what the project was about. Very much what Stuart's been doing the last three weeks. Um, getting to know who's on the project. Obviously, you've got three academic partners, but we've also got a whole host of both funded and non-funded grant partners as well. Um, so it's trying to get an understanding of what their sort of a role is, um, catching up with people, meeting up with people. Um, obviously, there's, there's a variety of work packages within the programme. Um, and the work package that I look after is, is all around innovation brokerage, and I'll give you a bit more information on that. Um, so basically, our team, um, or my team, are kind of out and about liaising with SMEs within the region um, that the project covers, um, talking to them about you know issues that they, they might have. And it, it's, it's basically any business involved in the dairy supply chain, so farmers, processors, cheese makers, ice cream makers, hauliers, um, trying to understand their challenges um, and then link that back to the potential you know, academic expertise that's available at the, the research institutions. So trying to offer one of my roles, trying to get an understanding of what's um, available at Strathclyde. I've got guys looking at what's the SRUC and also at University of Western Scotland as well. Um, I'll do a wee plug just now, if that's all right, because this is oh, this, this is one of the, the things that I, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, it's became apparent um, as the team have been out and about and speaking to people that they are keen, they are interested in all their, you know, substantial funding opportunities, but they're like, what's available? What's what's available with regards to opportunities, but also what's available um, with regards to the academic expertise? So it's become really apparent to me that we have to have some sort of a knowledge exchange event that's going to have to take place quite soon. Um, that we're hoping to have actually in April that will bring the, you know, the expertise and the SMEs together in the same room to kind of have the right discussions and stuff that then can help hopefully develop and forge partnerships that then can access the opportunities that we have, whether it be funding or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, that's that's something that I'm kind of moving quite moving quite quickly on at the moment. If there's if there's someone out there listening, Pauline, that is interested in that, where would sort of further information be? Would it be on a website or yeah, yeah. on the website? And there's a newsletter. You know, as if we're on LinkedIn, social media, Facebook, Twitter, um, all the information is out there. So, um, but that's what we're trying to do with this podcast as well is get the, the name out there a bit more. Well, hopefully, I can be of assistance. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. I think this next question is for Stuart, but between the three is I'll let you decide who's best to answer it. Um, certainly being based at Barony, 
uh, we here, and I'm sure a lot of people listening are, are, are sort of stakeholders in this, have heard of the digital dairy chain, they've heard of the de- the, the nexus, they've heard of strength in places, or I can't remember exactly how that one's termed, and all this sort of stuff. And, and I think the truth is we don't maybe strictly know what is what. You guys are the digital dairy chain, and I'll be honest, when we originally made contact, I'd said I don't really know much about the nexus, and he said, well, it's not the same thing. So would you be able to sort of maybe give the listeners, and, and for that matter myself, sort of a bit of, of uh, information on what the digital dairy chain is. Is it related to Nexus at all? Is 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 there any crossover and, and how that sort of works? Yeah, I think taking a step back and interesting what, what Pauline said, we, we're all relatively quite new to the project and, and this is this has been one of the challenges and as Pauline says this is a great opportunity to, to get that out. So going going right to the start, where where, where did this all come from? Um, just for clarity, there's a, a, a non-departmental public body um, that the government set up um, called the UK Research and, and, and Innovation, and it's to, to look at business energy and, and, and industrial strategy. Now, essentially, what they try and do is they catalyze, invest in, in close collaboration with others and try and build thriving, inclusive research and innovation systems. Now, that sounds all very complicated, but they're, they're here to promote that type of element on, on behalf of government. And what they do is they have um, streams and tranches of funding. One of the funding that they, they do, one of their flagships, was called the Strength in Places Programme. And very, very roughly, it's to fund um, areas where pro- t- um, productivity and prosperity are often below the UK average. And um, anybody can apply for this funding. You put your application in, and 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 you put a, a strong enough application in, and you win. And that's what that's what SRUC and all the partners on this on this project did. So we applied for funding um, through that, and the project's been given twenty one million pound across all all parties. Um, without getting too deep and too political about it, I think it was also quite interesting. I don't know if you heard the Chancellor's Exchequer's um, speech. Was it last Thursday or Friday? Um, where he talked about um, his four E's, his, his enterprise everywhere, education and employment. And he also talked about this, um, this magical word innovation and how innovation was the, the golden thread that runs through all successful so business projects and, and organizations in the UK. And if you listen to what he said, it, it was difficult not to listen and not think about the digital dairy chain project. So that that's essentially what, what, what we're here. Um, well, that's where we're going for. And very simply, the elevator pitching it, it's, um, it will offer a range of services of support for innovation and growth in the southwest of Scotland and in the northwest of England in, in, in the Cumbrian, Cumbrian region. Um, in terms of Dairy Nexus, we are um, a, a separate project to that. As you say, that is a, a project around uh, the barony and building a, a dairy innovation centre there and all around the ancillary um, things that will feed into that and come in and out of that. We do have a crossover, but we are just distinctly different. Um, as, as Pauline said, I'm, I'm 21 days in the job. I hope that's a good description, but um, if they've got anything to add. Um, oh, sorry, the one thing I would add, uh, again, probably the key message, I think, Wallace, on this is that, that partnership and collaboration is the key. That, that's what will grow this. As, as Pauline indicated, we've got um, a number of partners and we're looking, we're looking probably um, for as many people to get involved in this project as possible because not only will the project grow, but it will help the outcome of the project. By partners, do you mean funding partners, Stuart, or other people getting involved in that in sort of operation? I, I, yeah, I mean, absolutely anybody. Again, to give you an idea, the people we are working just now with is, is um, and the people on this call, you know, University of Strathclyde, University of West Coast of Scotland, um, census, um, first milk, lactalis, um, creamery, it's, it's Drunrar, yep. Kendall Nutricare, um, Cows and Co, which is linked to Appleby Creamery, a, a great cheese maker, um, National Milk Records, um, Start Sems, who are here to, 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 to talk about and teach the next generation about science and technology. So these are all partners that are in the project. But I think through both Rachel and Pauline's work, we're stretching out to anybody from and we talk about cow to consumer because they're handy that they both begin with C, but anybody in that chain that wants to get involved with dairy that can help innovation and add value to the dairy chain in the geographical area, 
and we can we we can um, hopefully identify their needs and hopefully meet them on this project. That's a quite like moo to milk. I don't know where that came from, but anyway. <laughs> I'll, I'll use that. That's not a good one. Yeah, glass to grass, cow to consumer, and moo to milk. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Please don't put my name next to it. Um, you asked if I listened to the Chancellor Exchequer. No, I just don't watch the news. I really should watch it more because I'm just an uneducated person these days. But um, that that gives sort of some credence as to what's happening. And uh, Pauline, you mentioned a plug earlier. I'll maybe plug one thing. You mentioned NMR. Uh, they are National Milk Records, Stuart. I am a, a, actually the MC for the NMR Awards <laughs> next month, um, which will have just happened on the weekend after this comes out. So it might have been an absolute disaster on my own part, uh, but hopefully not. Um, uh, passing over to you for, for a minute there, Rachel. Uh, where, where does census come in here? Stuart mentioned census. What, what's their sort of role? So, uh, yeah, so we're one of the, of the partners, as Stuart mentioned. So what we're doing is uh, we're uh, running an enabling technology accelerator that we call the Milk Round. And uh, so um, and that's really to, to help people build, um, test and trial new technologies. Um, and they can be pre-startup, post-startup. They can be businesses all within the region, uh, SMEs looking to diversify and build new things. So uh, we're really excited about that because we, uh, you know, it's an accelerator that helps people engineer and build things. And then within the partnership, uh, this is the really valuable is open that, uh, that technology up for trial or user experience tests within the partnership and wider, you know, and, and helping them to get traction with potential first adopters you know in these technologies and get real feedback uh, so that's what our program um, will do um, the milk round so we've got um, uh, 25 spots over the next four years for applicants to run through that and we've got some real interest um, uh, you know from very very including from farmers who have been you know developing things and they just need that little bit of engineering expertise or just help for us connecting things to the internet for example and enabling um uh digital functionality in some of the things um you know so it's uh, it's really exciting program yeah no definitely and i think i think maybe when when i'd heard about the digital daily chain i just had this idea that it was how we integrate data into dairy now, dairy is far ahead of most in, uh, enterprises and farming at, at, at using data and using data to their benefit, utilizing it in the way that it's going to make their business more profitable and efficient. Um, but this is this is um, digital input in general. It's it's everything. It's data. It's actual uh, tangible technology, hardware, software. Right. Okay. So this is yeah. where I was maybe a bit confused. Okay. I think. I think so. Sorry, Rich. I, th I think I think you're, you're you're absolutely right, though, Wallace. That that's one one of the main objectives of of the of the project. I mean, I mean, the other ones are are basically as as has been discussed, is to stimulate research and development, and that will be to provide infrastructure and expertise to enable that. Um, also, support business growth um, for early ventures, start up, established companies, um, and new product development, and the, the final tranche really where a lot of the time and effort's going into it is to attract talent and skills is showcasing this to um, to new entrants coming in because you know we can have all the, the first three things we talked about but without the, the the people coming through to engage in that in the short term the long term and when I'm long and gone then then the project would would um, wouldn't progress much forward so that that's the three main sort of legs of of, of work on this project and the uh... Pauline, earlier you mentioned sort of um, getting getting various SMEs involved. Do you have a a, a particular target? Well, I think we should maybe mention that SMEs sort of small, medium-sized enterprises. Enterprises? No. Uh, yes. Uh, what have you got a, a certain target that you're aiming for there, or just anyone that seems to be willing to get involved and has has a has a reason to get involved? Yeah, I think really at the moment, you know, we're just getting the word out and about there, just trying to target as many SMEs within the region as we can um, to kind of try and bring them on board. Um, you know, we've, we've kind of talked about one of the key words, the key I words is innovation, but obviously for us as well, another key I word is impact, you know, the impact of this whole programme. Um, 
obviously there's going to be projects within it. People are going to run with things. Um, but it's, you know, it's obviously really useful for us and, and for UKRI who are funding the programme as well to see what the impact in the region is going to be. Um, you know, we're obviously targeting as many people as, as we can at the moment, but we do have kind of individual groups within that. So we're looking at younger people coming into the, the dairy industry, women within the dairy industry and stuff as well. So we'll kind of be doing a bit of targeting around them as well. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. So what, what does... When you mention younger people, are you talking students that are interested in industry, or are you aiming to try to get into schools as well and sort of talk about what's happening here? Yeah, well, the, the, the you know, there's a one of the work package uh, packages that Stuart mentioned earlier is is run by Smart STEM. So these are the guys um, who are actually out and about. So they're in the schools, they're in the, you know the the local colleges. They're they're out speaking to people. They're taking school children out to farms and kind of doing all the fun stuff like you know the yeah. the, the, the little experiments and all that sort yeah. of stuff so it's, it's that, that grassroots stuff have you got this is maybe like a side thing have you, have you are, are, are any of the three you aware of ret i don't know if that would be a, would be a crossover there yeah, yeah i i funny i had a, a conversation with um somebody last week who are the, the project is engaging with ret and um, because i mean yeah. they're, they're a fantastic organization have good links on farm yeah absolutely I just just from the, the look on your face, Pauline, I'm guessing you haven't heard of them. No, <laughs> yeah. no, no, I haven't. It's, no, it's, no as I say, because we we're all kind of involved in a specific work package, but there's obviously a lot, lot of crossover and collaboration between those work packages um, in the sense that, you know, Rachel's looking after a work package, I am looking after a work package, but we guys, you know, we're getting together as as, as, as much as we can just to kind of, make sure that you know who who's out talking to who what are the ideas and stuff coming through where do they need signposted to because it might be that i've got an opportunity um you know speaking to to one of the smes and something comes up that maybe doesn't sit with a uh, within the opportunities that i have within my work package but would uh, fit within rachel's so we would kind of signpost that on yeah i mean just just a little bit of background maybe it's more your target sort of pupil audience, if you will, is maybe secondary, but they're sort of quite quite heavily involved in the primary side. Um, yeah. If you do want to check them out, plug R2Cast number 76. They're <laughs> 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 uh, in there. But, um, but I had one more thing. Yeah, uh, when we're looking at these sort of SMEs you're targeting, uh, one thing I meant to ask was, uh, are you purely looking at businesses that have sort of diversified and whatnot, or are you also still focusing on the milk producing farmer is that someone you're also you are aiming at that as well yeah, yeah definitely yeah because yeah that was always i guess that was one of the one question i really wanted to ask from the start because that's sort of like the the basis of which all of this is built on so i'm, I'm glad to hear that um on, on the call today we've sort of got yourself pauline rachel and Stuart, and 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 we could have had two more how, how many people are involved in in the dairy chain is that a massive answer? Is that an answer? It's almost you can't answer. Is it? You know, what what are we looking at here? That's Did a you... very that's a very good question. Well, <laughs> um, I, it, it, and yeah, I sort of sort of well, no, I won't take a stab in the dark because I, I think, like Pauline says, we there's you no, know, I think a number of work streams and there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scene that everybody's working on. I mean, I mean, I'm just thinking aloud, even at SRUC. The people that, that that I talked to internally about it, um, and you know, a lot of people have, are dipping a toe in the water on it. Um, yeah, so sorry, I I I I I couldn't hazard a guess. I don't know if Pauline or Rachel. It's fine. It was just a sort of yeah. yeah there might no. be there might be as many uh, just a massive stab in the dark. You know, maybe about 20, 25 directly. And new new roles being supported yes. to roll out all of these programs, and then everybody else who is collaborating and and with touch points, I've got the the the, the third parties and other strategic partners within the the milk round, for example, are not directly funded or partners on the program, but they will help the milk round, for example. Yeah. So they're kind of involved. So it's it's really big, isn't it? Yeah, um, it, it's it is. I think I think that's a really good point, Rachel. I think it's quite difficult to quantify it. What what I would say though, Wallace, is I, I mean, I, again, I've only been in three weeks, and I think the thing that struck me is the 
all the people involved so far, the enthusiasm, the determination for success and the drive is, is, is quite incredible. I've never come across um, a project like this that there that, that exists right. so much. Everybody is um, yeah, very good. You know, it's, 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 it's a super project to work on. And I understand maybe this is one of the questions that, not that you're not allowed to answer, but it's just one of those ones that's very hard to know the answer to. Um, we talk about this this large uh, funding stream of, of 20 or whatever the, the amount is, 20 million. Is that purely digital dairy chain or is that separated amongst different areas here? It, it's 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 all within the dairy chain, but it is a, yeah. it is across, um, you know, a, a number of tranches of, of work packages. Um, and... Um, yeah, and which which covers the four main uh, elements of, of what I talked about. I, I mean, for for example, as as part of that, um, it's going to come on to maybe later. Is um, one part is is up to three million pound will be offered in collaborative research and development projects um, across across the industry in the area, um, and um, there'll be a, a, a it'll be announced soon actually, but there'll be an application process on that where um, where companies can come and, and and apply for that money, and that will be again worked out through the UK Innovate Fund. So yeah, there's there's quite large pockets of money um, across across um, across the whole project. Yeah. And and again, worth, worth adding as well, it's it's a five-year project, so we're here for, for quite a long time. But again, part of I think our thinking and what we do now is um, we must create a legacy that goes past that five years. Well the, I'm not someone who's I was going to say much any experience in these types of projects is is a five-year project a five-year project, or can that continue after? You know, yeah, the right, oh, yeah. Oh, 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 absolutely. And and again, without you know something like um, Jeremy Hunt, the Chancellor Checker, I, I think that this project has has to to succeed on a number of fronts. But in some ways, um, we we've got to build the foundations for the future. I mean, we we, we are here to um, for, for the benefit of, of Cumbria and and um, and, and Southwest Scotland. Um, and, and give that area a considerable boost, um, and, and and it's important we do that. So yeah, I, I the, the project will, if, if the project's successful and does what it says in the tin, it will go beyond the five years. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll just add something in there, um, Wallace. So yeah, absolutely. Because what tends to happen with these sorts of programs, I've worked on quite a few of them over the years, and as I said, obviously impact is a big thing. You know, we're as well as funding projects within the programme from DDC funds, and mm -hmm. um, we'll also be looking at external opportunities for them. So, you know, we will be able to take a, a project or a, a business so far. Um, but there's, you know, there's loads of other opportunities that we will hopefully be able to help support them, you know, going forward as well. And that might not necessarily be more funding. Um, you know, it could be help with like commercialisation and spinning out or, or whatever it is. Um, that we would we would try and help them with as well. Well, I think we mentioned sustainability. That's got to be yeah. worth you guys as well from a sustainability perspective. If because you, if you've got if you've got the industry on board in the local area, whether that's from financial assistance or, uh, like you said there, assistance in starting up cons consultation, whatever, then that's going to lead to that five year project we just mentioned being maybe just. A business, you know, just a, a thing that is that is that is part of, part of the industry in this area. Um, I think maybe one thing that would would assist in uh, in fully getting why and how the digital dairy chain has came about is we've mentioned this five year project. What is the sort of vision? Like what what would what would in you guys' eyes be where you would want to see it? Maybe even just from your perspective or from a from a holistic perspective in five years. What what would What's the goal here? Yeah. <laughs> I, I sorry, I, I was going to let other people come in. Um, I think I, 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 I think essentially what, we're, what the, the project is here to do will deliver um, an uplift in the rural economies of Cumbria and the southwest of Scotland. Um, and I think the, the sort of the, the dream is that um, it will establish the, the region as a leader in advanced, sustainable, and high-value dairy manufacturing, and everything that comes um, with that. Um, it, you know, work with the dairy industry to develop and introduce new technologies, um, sensing, data handling, as well as infrastructure support. Um, and and again, you know, just as I said at the start, there it, the, the whole theory is to help Scottish and Cumbria 
dairy businesses develop new products and explore new markets. Now, again, very simply, you know, the, the area um, produces, um, you know, 1.9 billion litres of milk. It's a key area to, um, to, to the UK. And, and it does, you know, it, you know, breaking news, it rains a lot here. We grow grass very well. We, we, we're very, the farmers at ground level are fantastic. They know what they're doing. Um, and, and, and the processing supply chain as well, there's great opportunities in the area. And I think it's about that coming together to be seen as the Southwest of Scotland and the Northwest of England being the go-to area for, for, for dairy. And it's about making it resilient for that, for the future. It's, it's the hub of dairy in the country. You know that's yeah, yeah. There, there you yeah. go, Wallace. Yep, yeah, you're you're a, a better marketer than me. That's it summed up beautifully. Yeah, I think not that massive. That <laughs> I think that massive pause, Wallace. Is we all, all of us, the three of us, cast our minds back just this week where we had a a meeting and we had, we went through <clears throat> all of the different ways that this project will be measured, and so I was just casting my mind back because the project management is a huge program. Project manager ma management is. Is it, it can't work without that, and we we've just gone through how we're how each of us are going to need to capture, um, you know, our impact. As Pauline was saying, you know, how many how many new jobs, new businesses, um, new roles, uh, new products, investment. Um, so for the milk round, uh, for me, it, it's uh, it's about enabling net net zero to to meet um, to meet that net zero. Um, uh, massive challenge as well um bringing new products in um transforming um the technology base in the region as well and trying to encourage um investment in technology uh, not just from within the supply chain but from companies um maybe building new new um uh new offerings you know that are in the region into the dairy chain uh, through their digital products so so yeah it's a, it's a big it's a big program with lots of measurements and um uh, success measurements in it that we have to yeah well, it, and and when you're looking at success measurements and what metric means this has worked out and whatever i think a lot of people will look at it and say it's a lot of money being pumped into it but what what we're not considering straight off is a massive employer you know mentioned we haven't got an exact figure but there's a lot of people generating an income out of this uh, it's, it's hopefully going to be and i think i think listening to what's happening it will be is going to generate a, a, a pretty positive movement for the industry, especially in this area. Um, and you mentioned about net zero there. It, it's I mentioned the things that I've sort of said in the past and I have a few issues with net zero and how it's calculated. But I think in general with the calculators we use at the minute, certainly AgriCalc, dairy is the one that sort of comes out on top or or bottom, I guess, in, the, in a good sense, you know, um, is often seen net zero. But where where and maybe this is quite an interesting question for you rachel I'll probably not manage to pose it as a question more sort of say something and see what you think but uh, dairy comes out very well uh, often net zero often uh, carbon negative uh, but in my head if you compare a dairy enterprise that's producing a high high level yield um, compared to say for example an extensive store lamb unit there's a low yield of product protein going off that ground but the inputs are so minimal over here whereas they're higher and now something like the digital dairy chain, in my head, and this is kind of a question, are they sort of looking at ways of bringing technology into dairy farming so that those inputs are minimal where possible? So you're, you're, you're synthetically moving water less, you're, you're um, maybe finding ways that rations are coming from nearby, that sort of thing. Is that also integrated? Is that part of it as well, trying to just increase efficiencies and, and whatnot? I hope you've kicked your feet up and got comfy and enjoying another fantastic episode of the R2Cast with another really interesting guest. I would just like to quickly take another second to plug the sponsors of the show today, The Scottish Farmer, and I would strongly advise you to go out and pick one up this week and see even more of the fantastic people that are in our industry. I think, I think one of the things that uh, when we were beginning to build the project uh, proposal up uh, I went in because uh, my job around internet of things is about efficiencies you know yeah. economies of scale and um, you know replacing some of the, the the manual things with automated measurements and and things like that and when I mentioned the word efficiencies uh, uh, the you know the a lot of the, the the farming businesses who were brought in to to help build the program 
um, were very, very, um, you know, vocal in saying it's not about efficiencies for us. It's about people valuing the, you know, the mm-hmm. milk and dairy as a high value product. And, uh, and it comes from, from, uh, you know, um, animals that are, that are, um, uh, looked after in a, in a natural way as well. So it maybe isn't about efficiency in that sense, but it's about recognizing the value of dairy as a as a food product and preserving or helping to to create the a natural environment around um, that that creates additional value into that product as well. Yeah, I think that's important, and also recognizing the fact that certainly in the UK, for the most part, I think it would be wrong to say completely, we're, we're probably promoting a premier product here. You know, our welfare and environmental standards are higher than mm-hmm. I'm not going to say everywhere, just about everywhere, for the most part. Um, and I think you mentioned right, right at the start, Stuart, about sort of agricultural bill and 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 whatnot. You know, trade deals and whatnot pose somewhat of a, a scary potential to the industry. You know, what 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 does that mean? Does it mean that litre of milk that sits on the shelf uh, is going to sit next to, to the exact same litre of milk on the shelf, but be a lower quality product from a, from a standards perspective. And, and uh, yeah, so I, I get that. I get the farmer's reasons for wanting that. And it sounds like you guys are on board with that. So that's, that's good. That's good. I, I, I think, I think <clears throat> you're absolutely right. Well, the, you know, the number of things you can't change in life, death, taxes and milk price. And, and, <laughs> You know, we can't control that, but I think we can create a resilience in the supply chain that can adapt to that. And if we can make that, um, you know, through innovation, through productivity, through different thinking, um, through intelligence data, if we can make the supply chain in the Northwest and the Southwest Scotland more resilient, then we'll be able to cope with some of the things that are going to come in the ag bill, some of the things that are going to hit us with milk price, some of the, the fallout of, of the issues of Brexit, you know, consumer trends, that, that, that element, yeah. It's just tricky in that sort of perfect competition market structure we find ourselves in as a commodity industry. You know, we've got so little power over it, and but hopefully this sort of thing creates, I don't want to say the word union, we have a union, but creates the sort of strength in numbers that, that hopefully is is worthwhile. Yes. Um, listen, here, we, we sat down best part of an hour ago and I generally didn't know what digital dairy chain meant. <laughs> I was like, what, what is this? And, it, and it's been great to sort of go over what it is and, and hopefully those listening have a better idea. Um, I, I have a question for all of you individually, uh, the same question that I'll, I'll get you all to answer and hopefully this might uh, sort of tidy things up. If I was to ask you how you would explain the digital dairy chain to just someone that asked you in the street, how would you explain it? <laughs> I, well, I'll, I'll, I'll go for it. I mean, again, you know, it's, it's that classic elevator pitch. I would keep it simple as it's, it's going to offer a range of services to support innovation and growth yeah. for the dairy supply chain in the southwest of Scotland and in the northwest of England. Rachel and Polly, would your sort of takes be the same or would you have any yeah. sort of looking at that? I'd like to think it's, it's a programme that's going to change people's whole perception of the dairy industry. Uh, into the high value, um, you know, um, wonderful dairy. Or it sounds like I'm plugging something, isn't it? But the, you know, the dairy is a is a, a really, um, you know, it's an ancient industry, and yeah. it's uh, it deserves that recognition of, of being a high quality product. Mm-hmm. Um, Pauline, I would just, would yeah, yes, I would just maybe add about the you know really the the strength or you know it's about strengthening that link between academia and industry within this particular area um i think that's really key and um i think that's going to be really key for the for the program um as a, as a whole i think you know that the yeah i think all that makes sense and i think one um you sort of mentioned uh, rachel about a uh, it's it's a it's, it's been gone a while daily milking cows for some time um I think one thing we sort of forget as the consumer, the masses sort of forget, we hear quite often, oh, it never used to be that intense farming. It never used to be whatever, but it took till 1804 to hit a billion people on the planet. And now last November, we've just hit 8 billion. You know, it's been a rapid progression over the last 200 years. Um, 200 and what's that? 19 years. Um, so these industries have had, I've, I'm, I'm sort of maybe 
aiming this at the listeners I have that aren't in farming. I have quite a few. You know, that sort of intensification has ramped up hugely, but we have to consider what we're doing here and what we're doing is feeding the planet. That's that's the job of, of this sector. Um, so, yeah, it sounds like from what we've spoke about today that you guys are hopefully going to be at the forefront of that and it sounds like a very positive uh, sort of move forward for the for the industry especially in this area um which might lead to i don't know if, if the plan is if this is sort of a pilot in this area and then to sort of allow that to roll out nationwide is that is that part of the plan or is that maybe maybe a, a hopeful i know well the 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 project is direct funding for the for the area that we're operating in but um it, you do raise an interesting point though that there will be an actual ripple effect, I think, you know, that that, that could benefit from this. And I, and I hope a lot of the projects and a lot of the work that's done um, is is seen as innovative and best practice and then is, is mirrored um, in this ripple effect. Excellent. Excellent. Here, guys, it's been... So, sorry. Uh, I, I was going to say that, you know, when we start rolling out um, the innovations, um, that, uh, you know, the early adopters will be amongst everybody in, in in the dairy chain you know so we want to raise that profile as well so they'll be developed within the region then early adopters could be anywhere so um yeah. it's uh it's taking on those best practices and, and uh, product opportunities um absolutely throughout. absolutely no it's it's um it's been it's been great to talk to you because i mean i think uh, you know, we arranged this maybe about a week ago and uh, for the last week I've been sort of thinking, I don't know where this is going to go because as I mentioned at the start, it, it's 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 new, it's only coming on the scene, you guys have all said that it's been a few months you've been involved in, and sort of seeing how much you know and how passionate you are already, I think is very positive for the future of, of DDC. Um, there's, uh, there's two questions normally I ask everyone at the end of the podcast I've kind of already asked you one with a few to explain it in the street how would you uh, but I'm going to pass a question around to all three individually again um, and it's kind of a two-parter but basically the same thing one where do you see yourself in five years and two where do you see the digital dairy chain in five years <clears throat> um, in five years I will hopefully still be working on the on the, on the project I think the project from what I've seen and felt and heard and talked to people, I think the project will be um, a, a great success. And again, I think the important thing is this whole element of legacy that in five years, we'll be looking at the next five years on the project. Rachel, Polly. I'd like to be celebrating with all the applicants from the Milk Round Air new products and services, because I'm so excited to see what comes out of that. Um, I really am. Good. Good, good. Uh, I think I would just echo what, what, what Stuart said um, just around, you know, the success of the programme um, and, you know, having something established that, you know, we could potentially use as a, as a sort of a blueprint to do within other areas would be great. Excellent. Excellent. No, it's been, it's been, uh, as I said, it's been great having you on. I've really enjoyed the chat. I hope you guys have enjoyed coming on. I hope it's been beneficial from your end as well. Uh, hopefully. You've got the story across you were aiming for. Um, what, what, sorry, Wallace, what, what I would say is just to, yeah. to everybody and all, all the listeners is, uh, you know, is hopefully well, I think one of the messages that's come out is the project is still quite young and, uh, and between ourselves, Rachel and Pauline, we're still quite new to it. So what I would say is I think the project to degree, there's elements that it, it can still be molded. So if people want to get involved, just get touch, get in touch and engage with us. Um, reach out to us. The, the, the website is www.digitaldairychain.co.uk. Have a look at that. It's a fantastic website that's been set, um, set up. And it goes through, I think, a lot of the things that we've all discussed tonight and maybe lays it out a bit more easily, bite-sized chunks to understand. But I think the main point for me is, is about working together in collaboration. So if anybody thinks that this project has value, then please, please get in touch. And there's enough people to, to engage and get involved. Well, I mean, I certainly think personally, I, I can't speak for SRUC, but SRUC are obviously involved. But from an, from an academia perspective, I think we'd probably like to certainly be, be around, uh, be involved and in, in whether, that, whether that involvement includes student dissertations or, or just, just general education throughout um, looking, at, looking at integration of data. We've just did the next gen um, change in, in education as Stuart you were at our sort of stakeholder day there on Friday 
we've had the HNC the first year, it's went well. It's had teething issues, of course it has, but we're moving into HND and then just by its very nature through third and fourth year into honours, um, which you'll see a lot of a lot of you know, looking at progressive techniques and whatnot. So I think that would be a good a good um a good relationship to create there. Uh, I would say, but no, it's been great. I appreciate all your time. Um, I do. Uh, it is a Sunday night we're filming this, so and I'm also conscious there is there is one person here that wants to see Happy Valley, and uh, I, I it's not me. <laughs> they won't call it. Uh, um, there is there is some important Sunday night TV to be watched. But uh, thank you very much for coming on. Um, it's been interesting to hear about the digital daily chain, uh, and uh, yeah, I hope I hope the three have enjoyed your time chatting to me. <laughs> um, for those of you still listening, guys, uh, as we said uh, last week, Blythe Aitken told us about agronomy in Zimbabwe, which was quite interesting. And uh, the podcast is certainly going quite global these days. Uh, we've had Zimbabwe, we've had America, we've had Canada, we've had uh, so many places these days. So go and check some of those out. Um, also, this Friday will be Sophie, keep getting her name wrong, Sophie Mitchell-Smith, um, talking about hoof trimming and how she's created a business there. So there's more and more stories coming out, more and more coming forward, hopefully. For our two cast number 100, we can really sort of get a big one. I've got a few in mind, Caleb Cooper, Amanda Owen, whatever, we'll see. But if you've got any contacts that could lead me to some of those people, do get in touch. Because albeit our two cast 100 is 15 away, that is only about um, two and a half months because we're throwing quite a few out now. So thank you very much for listening. We'll see you on Friday with Sophie. And thank you uh, to Stuart, Pauline and Rachel today as well. Thank you very much. I hope you've enjoyed another excellent episode of the R2Cast. I just want to take this moment to quickly thank our primary sponsors once more, A-Plan Rural. If you follow A-Plan on social media, you'll see the work they're doing to really promote British farming and back our industry. It's been a pleasure working alongside A-Plan Rural so far, and long may it continue. The values of A-Plan Rural runs perfectly in line with the whole mantra of Rural to Kitchen, and I'm glad to have them on board. Check them out on Instagram at A-Plan Rural, and on Facebook at A Plan Rural Insurance. See you for the next podcast.